0: This is Coda Radio, episode 426 for August 9th, 2021. Hello friend and welcome into Jupiter Broadcastings weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. This episode is brought to you by Cloud Guru. You know Cloud Guru's got that cloud playground, Azure, AWS and Google Cloud sandboxes on acg's credit card not yours get certified get higher get learning at a cloud my name is chris and joining us ready to podcast like the pro he is with tea in hand it's our host mr dominic
1: hello mike happy tea time chris although it's way too early happy tea time It kind of it's our unofficial coder tea time one o'clock
0: Oh, what a mess, dude. It's such a mess because we just got the new the new show time. And then I hit the road. So now it's a it's a totally different time for me because I'm in mountain time. It's a totally different time for you. You're in Eastern time. The whole thing, I thought, was going to come crashing down because I thought we turned into a bus of super spreaders about five days ago, or four days ago. I, I thought the whole crew was going to come down with the Rona. Oh, crap. So we're getting we're getting into Idaho and my son comes down with a fever and it's not looking good. He's down for the count. And we're thinking, what else could this be? And if he's got it, then maybe other other people in on board have it like we're going to have to cancel the meetup. And we start strategizing. We get to we get to Idaho and we start thinking, well, maybe we turn around and or maybe we wait here and we isolate and see if we're sick and cancel the first meetup in Salt Lake City you know, we're trying to strategize the entire thing because like now we got Corona on board, right? And a couple of days go by and uh, we haven't seen anybody. We're not sure like what to do. So we just kind of had, we, oh, there was a windstorm too. So we had to stay put anyway. So that worked out. And we wake up the next morning and my son's feeling different. Like the fever has broken. He's He's not really feeling so exhausted anymore, but he's got this big lump on his face. I'm looking at this lump and I'm going wait a minute here and we start replaying like history you know you start going back through your brain archive and i realized like four or five days ago whenever we left he chipped his tooth on a on a sucker on a hard candy and i bet he cracked it and got an infection so we took him into urgent care and sure enough it was an infected tooth that had caused the fever and him not feeling well and we got him on some antibiotics and he's just doing great now But it wasn't it wasn't the Rona at all. But I had a total COVID panic because I thought, what if, you know, what if we go to the meetup and we've got COVID or something? Because we're trying to be careful. Obviously, we're all taking extra precautions. And we thought, you know, something had gotten us either anyways. But it turned out just to be a cracked tooth. And he's on the mend. (laughs) So that's that's been my week.
1: (laughs) Not to mention driving and working. (sighs) And you remain in Florida. So I remain in the sunshine state. Well, Mr. Dominic, with all that aside, what do you say? Should we get in some feedback? Let's hear what the screaming GNOME users have to say. Oh, too soon?
0: Actually, I I think we made it clear this week. David writes in, and he really just, he has the key to using Linux, he says, is boring old hardware. He says, Linux hardware is a lot better years after it's come out. It seems though vendors sell Linux with some initial options, but in my experience, the support doesn't tend to be that great. It isn't refined yet. It seems much better to install something like an LTS Ubuntu or some other reliable distro on hardware that's frankly had some time to simmer. I haven't purchased Linux as an option from a vendor since I prefer to install Linux on my own. Recently, I purchased a brand new T-series ThinkPad. At release, Kubuntu's install was broken and Mate just wasn't stable. I switched things up and let things sit for a while. And after revisiting it a little while later, I was pleasantly surprised how refined it was. The deciding factor of Linux desktop quality seems to be the open source projects familiarity with the hardware. The oldest popular machines always enjoy the best support while the latest models typically have bugs, bad defaults and or drivers that just don't work well. I know Mike doesn't like to touch his workstations and just wants to order a product from the manufacturer, but with the way support actually happens on Linux, it seems like he'd be better served reinstalling his own OS from the downloaded ISO after the hardware has gotten a bit older. This has always been the mainstream way desktop Linux is deployed, and it's a first-class citizen there. While pre-installations from the vendor is new and not nearly as popular, at least today it seems you get a second-class experience when it comes to Linux hardware support, but the older devices work great, love the show, keep it up, David. So he's saying, stop buying new hardware and buy a used machine and put Linux on it. But but I love new hardware. <laughs> I know I thought that too. It's like, well, that sounds kind of boring, right? (laughs) Yeah. Plus, like, I mean, you got a job to do. You want something fast and powerful, right?
1: Yes. And with no fan. (laughs) Ah, that hurts right
0: now because my laptop is working hard and you know it. You know it. Hey, so I went to uh, the Salt Lake City meetup and it went great. And guess what? A lot of Coda Radio love there. Several people mentioned it was their favorite podcast. There was some serious Salt Lake City love. And uh, so everybody says hi, and they missed you. And um, I think there were more iPhones and Mac users there than uh, Linux and Android devices.
1: Yeah, I think JB is really a, a Mac network now, just saying.
0: But that meetup, there was a lot there. It was it was, it a was good mix, though. We had some engineers. We had some security analysts. um, but it was pretty cool. It was it was a great chance to like uh, just reconnect with folks and hear what they what they like about the shows, how they found the shows, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Coda Radio was well repped. The next meetup is going to be in Denver on August twentieth. That's all linked up at meetup.com dot com slash broadcasting. It's going to be a big event there. So go uh, check out the meetup page and see if you can make it. It's going to be like it's going to be like a big deal. It's going to be fun. We're going to have giveaways, raspberry Pis, swag. It's going to be huge. Linode's going to have people there that are like spoiling everybody. So meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Linode.com slash Coder. Go there to get $100 and 60-day credit on a new account. And of course, you support the show. I host all of my servers on Linode, and I think you'd like them too. Linode is independently owned, and they've been redefining how great cloud computing can be for eight years years. You'll learn a few things in that time. This road trip I'm on right now to reunite with the audience and with the JB team, it's being powered by Linode in every sense of the word, and my business runs on Linode. That's how much I trust them, and that's why I can recommend them. They have 11 data centers around the world, award-winning customer support, and a dashboard to manage everything that sets the bar in the industry but let's be real i also love them because they're fast i mean that matters performance is a big factor in my choice here and their servers their network connections even just deploying a server creating a snapshot upgrading the memory in one of my boxes it all happens really fast and with clear status and feedback as to what is happening while you're doing the action so you know exactly what's going on. Recently, we deployed our live tracker so you can see the progress of our road trip at colonytracker.live. And yeah, all of that runs on top of Linode. It was straightforward to set it up and start using, and they loved it. In fact, Linode got so on board, they helped make some artwork for the page and all of it. So go check out colonytracker.live if you haven't seen that yet. That website is running on Linode, and then that embedded map is running on own tracks, which we have running on a Linode all on open source software. How great is that? Anytime we're deploying something for ourselves in production, behind the scenes that the audience never sees, or stuff that is going to be facing... To the audience, we always deploy that on Linode now. We have for over two years now, and it's really the best choice out there. When you combine the support, the performance, the dashboard, the data center locations, the fact that they're independently owned and not getting jerked around by different VC funding, it's really nice to know my business is with somebody who's been around for 18 years and knows what they're doing. I could go on and on about Linode and why I think it's so fantastic and why I think it's so great. But the thing that they've done to make it easier for our audience to try it out for yourselves and just get some experience is they've created that $100 credit. So you can go to Linode.com slash Coder. You get $100 in credit on a new account for 60 days, and you can go experiment with stuff. Go see why we use them, why we choose them over and over again for yourselves. Plus, it's an opportunity to learn something, an opportunity to test something, and an opportunity to support independent content like the Coder radio program. How great is that? It's a check-in-the-box-all-the-way-down kind of thing. So go to linode.com slash coder. Get $100, support the show, and kick the tires. That's linode.com slash coder. The internet is freaking out this week because Apple has announced it plans to scan images in children's iMessage and in iCloud. Kind of two separate functions, but they were announced at the same time. And everybody says this is an era of censorship and monitoring that Apple is just rolling out. And it seems the slippery slope argument here is once you build a technology that can identify types of images, it doesn't take long until governments come knocking on your door like China or Russia and say, add these hashes to your mix.
1: Well, we were briefly uh, talking about this in our Slack. And what was my first reaction? Wait till Beijing gets their little pause on this one, right? Like this is. Remember the old DRM arguments from the 90s? Chris, let's let's take the time machine. Sure. It seems so reasonable, right? Like these small indie developers were making their little games, their shareware, whatever, um, productivity software, whatever whatever have you. And it just seemed like a little bit of protection, right? So like, let's get some keys. Oh, but you know, you own the disc, man. You got the disc, you got the game. That's it. You just need the product key. And it activates once. Well, now we have most things are basically always online. In fact, I just got an Xbox Series S, the the little one, the digital only one, and this slapped me in the face literally the night I got it. My router happened to decide to uh, poop the bed, and all the games I had spent all day downloading, I wanted to try Assassin's Creed, whatever the current one is. And sure enough, after like 30, 40 minutes, whatever it was, no internet connection, bam, no, you're done. My point being, you know, the intentions were good, right? Right in the beginning, we'll have these product keys, you know, help developers. The intentions are obviously good with this, right? Child abuse is bad. Should not be a thing. Anything that can be done to stop it is good. But you have to understand that once you enable this kind of surveillance functionality, um, have you ever heard of, I don't know, Prism, right? Any of these Snowden-esque things where it was like, oh, we're just going to stop terrorists. And now we're sort of listening in on everybody's phone calls.
0: Yeah, the uh, the way this is going to work is there's an organization called CSAM that is uh, essentially set up to prevent child exploitation, and they are generating a series of fingerprints and hashes that Apple will subscribe to and then try to match and ID those. And there's two different systems in place, and one I don't really have actually much problem with, and I think it's been completely misrepresented online, and that's the iMessage functionality. This has kind of been blown way out of proportion. The iMessage scanning only happens on iCloud accounts and iPhone accounts that are part of a family plan and 12 years of age, above 12 12 years of age and still part of a family plan, there is some functionality, but it's different. 12 years of age and below, it's looking for those fingerprints in the iMessage pictures, could be SMS or iMessage, and then it sends a push notification to the parent. It doesn't notify Apple when something is found. And that actually seems like kind of a reasonable implementation because my kids have got iOS devices and I absolutely don't want them doing anything like that. And as long as I'm notified and it doesn't report it to anybody, I think that's actually a pretty reasonable system. It's also opt-in. It's not, it's not on by default. If you're above 12 years old and you're part of a family plan, um, it I, I don't know if it uh, I don't know if it maybe it's like it drops the notification to the parents, but it still blocks the image or something. I can't remember because I didn't look into that part of it. Then there's the iCloud part where it's scanning it, and if you opt into iCloud Photo Library, they're going to be looking for these fingerprints throughout your iCloud Photo Library. If they find something that matches a fingerprint. It notifies a person, uh, you know, like somebody in the department at Apple, who then has to review a low-resolution image <laughs> to verify if it's child porn or not, and then a- alert the authorities after that. Uh, and I guess there's even like a threshold because there could be some, you know, possible false IDs. So it's like if a few, if you get triggered a few times, like nothing happens. It takes several triggerings of this of this algorithm before <laughs> before it actually alerts somebody. Um, and I think if you look at what Apple has planned here, it's totally fine really that implementation is pretty reasonable. It is 100 percent the slippery slope argument and I think the more I don't i I can kind of believe Apple if they say if they say that we are going to refuse government de- demands to expand the photo scanning beyond the CSAM. we will refuse that they've said they said that a couple of times i I could believe that if one of these two scenarios is true if this is apple's Hail Mary move to prevent having to build in backdoors to all of their software for law enforcement. If they can say, look, your argument that you need encryption backdoors into everything we do to save the children is null and void now because we've built this technology and we're going to scan these images just like Facebook does in Facebook Messenger. And we're going to participate in that same program. So now you don't need a backdoor key. If that's why they're doing this, I, I, I can kind of believe them that they won't have scope creep if the other if but perhaps another alternative reason they could be doing this is because some sort of optimistic woke culture has told them they can save the children in the world by doing this and it's with full unbridled optimism and cooperation with CSAM that they're going to save the children and and if they actually think that's the reason they're doing this if there isn't some devious other motivation that they're not talking about being like we want to prevent the FBI from getting back doors. If it's instead this unbridled optimism that they're presenting publicly, then it's totally going to get f- with no doubt about it. It's totally going to get screwed with if it's the first one and they're trying to do a, a ninja move to prevent back doors. I'm on board, but we will never know. We'll never know. And so you just wish it never had come up. You just you wish they'd never opened this Pandora's box and they're not going to be able to put this away.
1: I guess I don't understand how you think that little judo move would work because every time, you know, let's say since, I don't know, the early aughts, right? We've had an encroachment on privacy by any government. Um, it's always been, OK, we're going to do this, but nothing more. Right. Remember, kids, it's just metadata. Well, turns out not so much. Right? You know, I'm just, oh, I agree. I think that's
0: most likely what's going to happen. I think. If you look at the history of Apple and their battle over the San Bernardino iPhone, the the little pivot they had to do back in 2008 around encrypting backups because the FBI asked them not to. I'll have a link about that in the show notes. They've been very strategic in how they're dealing with law enforcement and the access they get. And that encroachment on privacy is often done at the rally call of Save the Children. And the director of the FBI, the last couple of directors of the FBI – have been test have been testifying saying we have to get access to encrypted chat to save the children we have to save the children or else pornography will spread through encrypted chat and if that is the lever that they are trying to use to open Apple's back door this could be their cover of for their ass saying well you don't need that now because we've we've solved that problem for you using technology and and algorithms. So don't worry about it. The algorithm is on it now. And they'll tell the FBI to, you know, saw it off now because they've got this built in. And that they're, now they're, their reason for needing backdoor encryption is null and void.
1: Why wouldn't the FBI in this case or whatever law enforcement entity just say, OK, let me wait a year until there's some weird exception that Apple screwed up on. And then I'm going to go, you know, on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC and be, you know, banging the drum again i mean i
0: No, that's and and
1: also they're going to yell terrorism they have to stop you know to stop the terrorism it's interesting that apple has kept this uh very focused on law enforcement when the more interesting question is like intelligence services which i understand some countries well probably this one too is a little bit of a thin line right because they're saying what someone who intends to take you and put you on trial can do what about someone who has no intention of ever putting you on trial Right. It's just like literally, I don't know, spying on every phone call. That could never happen, though, Mike. We've never seen examples of that. Come on,
0: Mike. You've read <laughs> too many Tom Clancy novels. What do you do? Oh, sh- <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think you're right. And um, I think Apple, I think Apple loses their privacy uh, crown with this. This because the way average people will see this is, well, for Apple to do this, they have to be looking at my photos. Right. They're not going to understand the difference of like hashing things, and they're they're losing that argument now. It's uh, Apple's privacy argument is now it's private except for we're looking
1: at it. So you have your your judo theory. I have my China's the biggest market in the world. It's going to be the biggest market in the world for certainly our lifetime. Apple needs to probably appease Beijing. I don't know if. Anybody listening follows the news, but Hong Kong protests, they just got slapped down pretty, pretty hard using things like digital surveillance and a, just a ton of tear gas. So I can't see this not having wider implications other than uh, CSAM, right? I, I, I understand like that's the main thing and that's the thing they're talking about. But, you know, if you can if you can do images of child abuse, which, again, no one should condone that, right? Like go after those guys as hard as you can. Well, you know, you can go to jail for, like, posting a Winnie the Pooh meme in China because, like, somebody said the president of China looks like Winnie the Pooh. Why wouldn't Winnie the Pooh be part of this in, in China?
0: Well, there goes Coder in, in China.
1: <laughs> we're screwed.
0: Now we're done in that market. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I I think that's exactly what will happen. The only kind of real-world use case we have here is – Apple does not make FaceTime available in Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia demands that all audio and video calls be unencrypted. And so Apple just opted to make fight
1: FaceTime unavailable in Saudi Arabia. It's Saudi Arabia, though. I mean, it, it, like it's, it's like, not China. Yeah, yeah right. It's, it's not the <laughs> it's biggest not market China. in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: right. I know. And that really is. And, and you, you see Apple and their drive for that stock price and that drive for revenue. There's just no way. Tim Cook can say no to the Chinese market and keep his job. Uncle Tim is chasing that dragon hard. Yeah, I wonder. I really, It's really hard to know the motivation here. And this is going to be one of those problems where if this begins to slide, because here's the other thing, is we're assuming that CSAM organization is untouchable and that they couldn't be corrupted and that images couldn't be or hashes couldn't be injected from that side. right? It's not only are we being asked, to have faith that Apple won't have scope creep with this feature set, but we're being asked to have faith in this CSAM organization who is organizing all of this. Um, and then there's also the, oh man, how do they say it? It's like the NECMEC, that's N-C-M-E-C database, which is where a lot of this actually lives, these fingerprints actually live. So there's actually two other organizations outside of Apple that are involved with all of this. And then we have to trust that the... Governments that Apple operates in won't be constantly putting pressure on them. So you have CSAM, which stands for Child Sexual Abuse Material, which is, you know, awful, no doubt about it. And then you have NICMEC, N-C-M-E-C, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It's both of those organizations. They are both founded and funded by the U.S. government. So, you know, it is possible that organizations that are founded and funded by the U.S. government could then be influenced by the White House. And you could get a president, maybe it's another president in a few years that gets in there, that puts pressure, political pressure on this group to add new types of imagery that society now considers to be offensive and dangerous. And that goalpost is constantly shifting. And so you could see just over time how something like this, even even if Apple never – ever wavered on their commitments you could see how maybe the other groups might over
1: time because things change so, so, the, so the, like this is my whole like bottom line all this security stuff like you're saying you could have a different guy in charge or gal in charge later it's not enough for these companies to say that they won't they have to be saying and it has to be in fact true that they can't Not that I won't do it because you can trust me. It's I cannot do it even if I wanted to, even if I woke up and had just like the burning desire out of, you know, the best of intentions, I literally can't do it. That's the only way you have any kind of digital privacy. And there are serious downsides to that, right? I mean, that's why there are legitimate cases where it would be a lot easier for, you know, law enforcement and other entities to just have nothing be encrypted and, Surely it will cost lives if we if everything's end to end encrypted, but this is gonna be problematic too and where I think this is gonna go in five years is gonna be uh, weirdly some sort of pseudo corporate slash government marriage surveillance state. This is the tinfoil hat edition of Coda radio,
0: you know there's other cloud providers that are already doing this exact scanning right now. I mentioned Facebook, and there are others. That's why it kind of sucks that this has been not properly explained. Like I think out of all of this, the most reasonable thing that Apple is doing is that iMessage filtering that happens on device for children's accounts that just notifies parents. That's sensible. I think a lot of people could get on board with that. And it's it's pretty minimal impact. It's the cloud based scanning. That really sucks, but people are conflating this and saying that it's all your, it's every anyone who uses iMessage, it's they're saying it's on by default that it's going to be checking everybody. Like the the coverage of this has really been unusually inaccurate and unusually bad, and that sucks because this is such a nuanced issue here. And there's really two or three things Apple is announcing at once that's all getting conflated together. And they, I generally they're a lot better. At messaging this kind of stuff, they really kind of blew it. And you wonder if they're gonna to have to go up on stage and try to spin this in the most Apple way possible when they announce the next hardware or whatever.
1: You mean like with a Sarah McLaughlin song?
0: Yeah, and slow like slow fades of children that have been saved from like uh, <laughs> try from trafficking, you know, just really hit those emotional buttons and then, then Tim cook comes up on stage with hands folded together in like the in in like that triangle shape that he does and shaking them up and down. You know, at Apple. We care.
1: <laughs> you can see it now. Oh, oh, oh the the, the, th- the thoughtful triangle. Yes, yes, I'm.
0: Yes, the thoughtful triangle. Oh, somebody title suggests that. That is, <laughs> that is it. Oh man. Okay. Well, I mean, all we can do is wait. It's going to happen. It's landing in iOS 15. The stakes here are incredibly high. Uh, Apple could blow this so bad. And going back to that, the 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 misreporting. I think the really unfortunate side effect of that is. Apple will lean on, well, people are misinformed, they don't understand the nuances, and Apple will be right about that. And that will be their go-to defense over and over and over again. And you look at things like the Washington Post, they just blew this story so, so bad. Their their opening paragraph is just complete and total crap. Complete crap. And it's, it just gets worse from there. And that's, that's, a, that's a damn shame because this is a fundamental shift in privacy and hyperbole isn't going to help us get to the pros and cons of this. And ultimately, I don't think it's going to move the needle for anybody. I don't think it's going to stop anybody from using iOS. I don't think it's going to stop anybody from using iMessage or iCloud photo library. I think the only thing this will ultimately do is take a little pressure off Apple to build in backdoors, which is why I go back to that one possible explanation. Because if you look at the out, the net outcome of this, is when Apple turns this sucker on, they're probably going to find a bunch of kiddie porn in people's iPhoto library, and all of a sudden they're going to have a whole group of people in their offices looking at naked kids. That's the reality of this change. Which is in itself illegal. But now they're going to point to this in antitrust hearings, in encryption backdoor hearings, and they're going to say, look at Apple, we care, we're doing this. And that, I think, is ultimately going to be the biggest result of this. Is there, some staff are going to look at more naked pictures of kids. Some people are going to get in trouble, a couple of people, because let's be honest, who's dumb enough to put that crap in my photo library to begin with? And they're going to have now an argument to use to push back against the government of various countries. That's the net result of this. Oh, oh, and of course, they lose part of their branding as, the, as a privacy-first company who designs things in a way that you can't be snooped on. They're just losing that now. They're going to lose it anyway.
1: It was coming, wasn't it? You could feel it coming with their push towards services. I don't know. In in some way, I feel like I'm tilting at windmills a little bit here because I don't know that we're ever going back. But everything's a service now. Everything's a subscription, which means that you need data on your users. You know, even in the most innocent cases, it's it's built in now. Yeah, it's built in. It's part of the, the. These aren't really devices with software. These are portals to an ecosystem of services. And honestly, basically a lifestyle, right? Like I think about, like I have home pods now. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> no, it it would be so painful for me to extricate myself from the iLife. Because it's all tied together. And how is it tied together? All, all the services to have all the data on my account and my purchases and my preferences. And it realized like where I live when I moved to this house uh, from a couple towns over. And I did not have to tell iOS that. They just figured it out.
0: When I was at the Salt Lake City meetup, uh, it the conversation went like this because I'm always you know asking and trying to get a feel, and the conversation goes just like this: it goes, "Ah, oh, no, I'm. actually, I'm on a Mac now," and they always hang their head in shame. Yeah, I got a Mac, you know. I mean, my servers are still
1: all Linux. My servers, my servers are all still Linux. But yeah, my servers too, Sousa. Well, that's actually Ubuntu. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man. Uh, yes, and and I think it's it. In every conversation, it's the stuff you and I touched on weeks ago in the show is, um, you know, like late 30s, early 40s to late 40s for just about most of the people that were there with a few exceptions. Uh, kids for a lot of them and a full time job. And they just felt like life got busy and I just kind of fell into this and it's just working for me. And they, they I guess, you know, they feel like they've lost a bit of their geek cred. And I, I feel like we should we should try to push back against. That. I don't feel like anybody should feel ashamed of what tool they choose to do their job, you know? And I, I, I feel bad that they felt a little shame admitting it to me, but you know, I, I'm
1: trying to be cool about it. Cause I understand if you've ever used SSH compared to the general population of the world, you are a geek. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Even if you've used it in something weird on windows, like putty or whatever, right. You're fine. I love it. <sighs> Apologies to windows users. I think I may have said the wrong application name because I don't use windows because, you know, obviously that's not real.
0: Datadog.com slash Try Datadog's products for free for 14 days by visiting Datadog.com slash For a limited time, if you start a free trial and you create one dashboard, you'll get a free Datadog t-shirt. We all love some swag. So what is Datadog? Well, picture it. Imagine a system that allows you to analyze code-level performance across your entire environment and troubleshoot issues faster than ever with beautiful visuals. That's Datadog. And Datadog has a continuous profile that automatically collects information from your production servers, your applications everything all the time so you can analyze that data quickly with minimal overhead. Are you getting how valuable this could be? Get a unified picture of your environment by correlating code performance metrics with all of your other data from your stack in real time with beautiful dashboards. I love it. And with 450 integrations and more, you have tracing, log management, you plug right into your enterprise applications you already have, and you combine that continuous profiler. It brings everything Finally, everything in one platform, and it enables you to pinpoint the root cause of issues faster than ever. That's Datadog. So go try Datadog for free for 14 days. Go to datadog.com slash CoderRadio. Go get that free t-shirt after you create a dashboard, you support the show, and you start troubleshooting faster and communicating more efficiently. That's it. datadog.com slash CoderRadio. And a big thanks to Datadog for sponsoring the Radio program. Datadog.com slash radio So Zoom, your favorite video conferencing company in the world, mm. has to pay out $85 million for lying about end-to-end encryption and sending user data to Facebook and Google. So this is a, like a, a claim that happened because essentially Zoom has like all this language around We don't share your data, and the calls are end-to-end encrypted, and Zoom takes privacy seriously and adequately protects users' personal information. These are quotes from, like, their privacy policy and their ULA and stuff like that. And then it turned out that because Zoom had implemented the Facebook SDK (laughs) and Google's (laughs) Firebase SDK, they were sending everything off to Facebook and Google quite a bit of data, it seems, even before the user had accepted the ULA
1: and, and privacy statement. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So there is a, a real dev story here about maybe you want to check out what your dependencies are actually doing. You know, when you install a CocoaPod or or whatever, a pit package or RubyGem, gem, you want to maybe just check out what's going on there.
0: <laughs> I wonder, like, do you think they even knew everybody that was just like sitting there implementing that SDK? Do you think, I mean, they must have known, right? They must have known that it was sending off analytics to both Facebook and Google.
1: Well, like the, the developers who just like needed the Facebook SB- SDK to hit whatever you know, uh, you know Jira card they were working on, uh, have know anything about what the legal department was doing, right?
0: <laughs> they had a KPI, right, a key performance indicator of integrating like Facebook, and like once they get Facebook integrated, we've reached one of our goals for our OKR. <laughs> Oh, man, that's exactly why. And of course, you got to get Firebase in there, too, because you need all the data. You can't
1: just have Facebook stuff. (laughs) Oh, what is this like a corporate conferencing tool?
0: But of course, the the, the lawyers are going to get their cut. You know, they're going to get their cut. The lawyers, they're going to get 25 to 15 bucks um, per person there. Basically, it works out like the lawyers get millions of dollars. Like up to twenty five percent of the eighty five million, the lawyers will take, and then they also have two hundred thousand dollars of expenses that get reimbursed on top of that. So the lawyers are really working this case, and they're going to make out great. <laughs> End users are going to get like maybe five eight bucks if uh, if you were a user during this time.
1: I just like that you know the sword that they fell on was importing the Facebook SDK. <laughs> I know
0: that is hilarious. The judge also ordered. Google and Facebook to delete any of the data they collected, but there's no enforcement mechanism there. And does it matter if they've already sold ads based on that data, right? If they've already used it to identify things about you?
1: Right, and if they've used it to feed their their ever-growing algorithmic engines, does it, I mean, I'm sure they never want to delete data, but do they care that much at this point?
0: Right, but at this point, the machine has probably learned. (laughs) So it's like, okay. Right, the beast has consumed your data, so... Mm -hmm and i mean if i was facebook and i was and we see story after story about just how voraciously data hungry they are and about how how far they're willing to go to get data it, you know there's no way they're letting that 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 kind of analytics come in from zoom and they're not doing something with it they're they're absolutely consuming it and taking action on that and same with google they'd be negligent not to so this whole thing feels so slap on the wrist 85 million bucks sure that sucks But I bet Zoom would pay that again in the heartbeat to have the kind of user growth they did during the peak of the pandemic. It was worth it.
1: Yeah, it's a speeding ticket.
0: It is a speeding ticket. It really, really is. And uh, we'll just keep all plugging away at using Zoom. I have a hot tip for you, though. If you use Zoom on Linux, use the Flatpak version, and then they can't monitor all the processes on your PC and what active windows you're using, which is a creepy thing that Zoom can report to those that are running the meeting. If they have a pro Zoom account or enterprise Zoom account or whatever, they can get analytics on how long the window was active versus how long the meeting was, and they can get analytics on all of the other processes running on your Mac or Windows machine. So creepy and gross. That's
1: ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and then there was just a story that one of the call centers that Apple works with, which is like this large call center that handles a a ton of companies, but because one of them is Apple, it made a headline – Uh, They're based out of, I think it was Chicago or I can't remember, but they now have cameras on all the time policy while you're at work. Even if you're working from home, your webcam must be on. So that way they can watch what you're doing and monitor for odd
1: activity, I guess. So it just gets weirder and weirder. (laughs) So is this our surveillance edition? I mean, we've we've really got a theme, I guess.
0: Uh it's like there's a is corporate America is sliding it, it, well, if you want to work from home, then we're going to up the monitoring, you know, and it's like they're freaking out and we have to have butts and chairs, and if we can't physically monitor butts and chairs, we'll virtually monitor butts in seats. Hmm. so you better get your employee monitoring set up no you're, you're you're falling behind. you need like a heads up display, maybe like a butt sensor so you know literally when butts are in
1: seats but the butts are what if they have a standing desk? Could you imagine? (laughs) Well, then you get a pressure pad, obviously. (laughs) Well, she's definitely working, but it appears she's doing jumping jacks, too. I don't don't understand.
0: (laughs) Maybe I could train the dog to stand on the pressure plate, you know. (laughs) I just want to take a moment and mention for all of you out there that are ready to get certified and you're looking at the Linux Engineer Exam 201 – our friends at a Cloud Guru have a course for you. This course has been designed to cover all of the objectives for the LPIC 2 201 exam. We will have a link in the show notes, or you can go to cloudguru.com. It begins with capacity planning. It includes utilities and concepts for measuring resource usage, predicting future resource needs, all of the kind of thinking you're going to need for the exam. Once you've completed that course, you'll be prepared to sit and pass LPIC 2's 201 exam. So go try it out, see what you can learn, and maybe even get certified. It's all at cloudguru.com
1: and we'll have a link in the show notes. Wow, this has been another depressing episode of Coder Radio. Uh, Maybe next week we'll go back to the internet of the 90s.
0: That'd be fun. We should do some nostalgia soon. You know, we do have a new Coderly report posted for our Coder QA members. And if you're not a Coder QA member yet and you want to support the show, keep us going, keep us independent. and you get access to the Coderly report every quarter. There's a new Coderly so go grab that. It's a bit germane to part of our topics today. And that's at coderqa.co. Mr. Dominic, is there anything you want to mention or plug or tell the people to go check out before we get out of here?
1: Nope. Just follow me at Tim on Twitter. That's really easy. You could
0: also follow me. I'm at Chris LAS, the podcast network. Well, I'm glad you asked. That's at Jupiter Signal. And the show is at Coder Radio Show. And that's handy for announcements and stuff. You never know. I guess things could be... Uh, you know, shifting or whatever while I'm on the road. I think the next Coder Radio, I'm not positive, but I think the next one will either be in Denver or just outside of the Denver area. And then it is meetup time. Awesome. I know. Pretty stoked. I'm going to go to System 76, see if I can iSpy how they build that launch keyboard, maybe walk out of there with a couple Thaleos under my arms. They'll never notice. I'll bring my big jacket. (laughs) 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 Links to what we talked about today. They're over at Coder.show slash 426. You'll also find our contact form over there. We need your feedback. It's a big part of the show. Go send us your feedback, and our RSS feed is there as well. You can subscribe, and you can send the show to somebody. That's always real nice. And then join us for Coda Radio Live on Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific? Noon Eastern? Time math is hard right now. I'm in the mountains. But I'd love to have you join us live at jblife.tv. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you right back here next week.